Blog Talk Radio. Through rap, 
talking about we are the original man. Well, today what we're going to talk about on Our Own Voices Live is what we've been talking about since last week and really since the Dr. King holiday, and that is the black agenda. Yes, it's Black History Month, so if we can't talk about it now, then we just won't be able to talk about it. So we're going to talk about it, and we're going to have a special guest to join us, hopefully in a few minutes, Mr. Devin Moore, uh, based out of Las Vegas, but actually has uh, some business uh, associations outside of the Las Vegas family, possibly someplace near you, uh, doing big things, college grad, hometown boy right here from the LV, the 702. Uh, and many of you, when you visit Las Vegas, may wind up visiting his premier business endeavor at Neo Soul. So if you've been to Las Vegas and you've been to Neo Soul, then it's a good possibility that you've met this brother or you've been touched by this brother. So we're going to chop it up and talk about the black agenda, talk about some of his initiatives uh, associated with that, with his series uh, from his Vegas black think tank that's going to focus on the blackness. That's right, the blackness, our blackness. What can we do to improve ourselves? All too often there's talk about what others do for us, but this brother's talking about what we can do for ourselves. And I believe there is much that can be done. It is a matter of doing it. You know, there's an old saying about something about the harvest and the workers. Well, there's a bountiful harvest. But where are the workers? Find them. Remember, the train leaves at 8, all aboard just coming aboard because you don't want to get left. So, that's uh, sort of what we're going to kick it off with uh, today. Um, I'll be in the air chair running it solo today, so hopefully you guys won't mind just hearing this voice instead of the voice, and that's my homegirl co-host and all around pretty much everything. After all, the show wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for her, Mrs. Angela Thomas, so hopefully she'll be back uh, soon. She's uh, been on the men and and uh, has taken some time off, but she's still out there in the fight, doing big things, making it happen. That video that you all seen from the gathering yesterday it was Angela Thomas who put that up on Periscope live at the gathering inside the West Side Bistro with Dr. Cornell West. Let me tell you something about that brother. If you guys have only seen him on television and news spots, Talking head shows, let me tell you, it is nothing like sitting down, breaking bread with that brother, and just chopping it up. Oh, my goodness. What a great time we had uh, yesterday. Uh, again, you can go to the Our Own Voices Live and Our Own Voices uh, Facebook page, and there is a link for the video there for you guys to, to be a part of it because he, you know, we shared the gathering with him, and then he shared his wisdom with us. So a very nice uh, trade-off. And then he got like a double dosage, a double helping of Dr. West, because uh, Brother 
Franklin Burley, some may know him as Franklin G on KCEP, uh, had a forum at the Doolittle Community Center. And it, it wasn't just Dr. West, though that would have been more than enough, but he had a full panel. And one of our hometown folks, Mr. Yvette Williams, from the Clark County Black Caucus. Notice I said the Clark County Black Caucus and not the Clark County Democratic Black Caucus. And that is important to note. It is as important to note as that it was the Congressional Black Caucus PAC, which is a separate entity than the Congressional Black Caucus that came out in endorsement for Hillary Clinton. Did you all know that, that it was the PAC, which is separate from the actual Black Caucus? Now, how they're tied together, what their structure is, that I do not know. What I do know is that there is a difference in name, and the makeup is different. One has the PAC, has less members in the caucus, and the PAC is made up a good percentage of lobbyists, and not all the members of the PAC agree to endorse Hillary uh, Clinton. And we want to talk, we're going to talk about politics today. As many of you may know, uh, politics is coming to Vegas, coming to Nevada. As a matter of fact, uh, Mrs. Clinton is in Henderson, Nevada, at a rally today, and Senator Bernie Sanders is going to have his own rally tomorrow at Bonanza High School. So if you all didn't know, now you know. For those of you who want to you know, get a take another look at both the candidates. Uh, Mrs. Clinton today uh, in Henderson, and tomorrow uh, Senator Bernie Sanders at Bonanza High School, and we'll have a link for that on the Our Own Voices live Facebook page. And the reason why I say that is because we want you to be informed. We want you to be engaged, be involved. Because we need to have some say for ourselves Because if you don't, the say will still be had It it just won't be yours for sure And things are going to happen Decisions will be made Just that you have no part of it Decisions will have a part of you And the part of you that they have You may not like it So I'd suggest that you get involved And get involved now Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about our own voices Live, Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its culture diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And some of the ways we do it is with this platform right here, Our Own Voices Live. It's on Blog Talk Radio, y'all, so we can, you know, we can say what we want to say. We don't have to be uh, politically correct. Plus, it's Black History Month, so we can talk blackness. We can talk black stuff, and we can do it freely this month. Now, just saying that is somewhat of an indictment of this country and where we stand, and that is that we oftentimes have to be muted don't want to offend anyone, don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, though from the time we enter this world, offending and making us feel uncomfortable. But majority rules, right? Well, how about this? They're telling us that in this election cycle, that's right, in this election cycle, 
that we, African Americans, in South Carolina and in a few other places in the South because of our voting numbers, will determine who will win the Democratic uh, primary and caucus. The black vote. In South Carolina, both candidates are courting the black vote because they want it. They want to win. They know they cannot win without it. They know in South Carolina, Hillary Clinton knows that if black people turn out for her, she wins. Bernie Sanders knows that if he don't get the attention of black folks, he loses. I believe he has over twice, maybe three times the number of staffers that Mrs. Clinton has in the state. Uh, he's also ramped up uh, his endeavors here in Nevada, uh, trying to win it and spending money. I like that he's spending money. As a matter of fact, full disclosure, the campaign has even offered to buy radio time on this show, Our Own Voices Live. Now, they did not. I'm talking right now about the Bernie Sanders campaign because they're ramping up big here, but they did contact me about buying ad space here, though they have not. Now, the Clinton campaign has not contacted me, but you notice that I'm still saying that she has an event today. Not because I'm paid to do it, it's because we have to be informed. We have to meet these people, not just listen to what the talking heads say on the television. And to be quite frank, not just listening to what they have to say in the debate, because sometimes tell mistruths. Now, that's the politically correct say, way to say that they lie, because there was that there would be no reason and no need for these various fact-checking websites and organizations if they were telling us the truth. But the reality is they tend not to be honest with the people. And if that's your only source of information about the candidate, then you're missing out on who they truly truly are and what they're truly about. Uh, I got a caller. Uh, good afternoon. You're on Our Own Voices Live. Well, lucky me. Good afternoon, Rodney Smith. This is Angela Thomas. Uh, uh, well, uh, <laughs> w- w- welcome to the show, Angela. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure that I called in to say to the people that are here in Nevada with us, for sure, caucus, caucus, caucus. Those of of our listeners that are outside of Nevada, whatever the process is uh, in your states, participate. Participation is so key. As we found out, uh, you know, this week we've been – Rolling, rolling in the deep this week with uh, participation and in this process of picking the next president of the United States, who's going to be our Democratic nominee, who we're paying attention to, who's going to be the Republicans nominee. And I just wanted to remind everybody, February 20th is caucus. And it was it, it is so vital that we get out here. Um, last night, you and I had the, the 
the pleasure. I, I don't know if you mentioned it yet, but um, last night you and I had an, a, a, the pleasure of uh, listening in, and I, I, I live streamed and you know uh, did a video of the panel last night uh, on race and politics and history, black history particularly. Uh, just some observations. I, I'm, I'm interested, if you haven't shared yet with the audience, I am interested in hearing some some of your observations in, in what we listened to last night. One observation that I, I did want to mention today is I hope that at some point we begin to hear, you know, as we have all these people visit our communities and and talk about our history and and what's going on in our community current and in contemporary in the contemporary context. Uh, they talked to us about the voting rights, the civil rights, but you know that policy was was the three prong policy. No one ever talks to us about the Fair Housing Act portion of that, which is so vital. Um, the reason I feel it's, it's vital and germane to the conversation we're having right now, 56% of African Americans lost their home in this last uh, cycle of bad banking, uh, bad loans going out, uh, whatever they want to call it. We're still in 2016 dealing with that Fair Housing Act and for those that think we don't need policies like that in place, you are mistaken. The reason 56% of African Americans lost their homes was because we have been unfairly targeted again with bad banking practices uh, being thrown into, thrown at and thrown into the black community. And, you know, it would be nice if Folks that are coming to talk to us, talk to us uh, with real solutions about how we're going to really approach things like that. Everybody knows that wealth is built through property ownership in this country. Everybody knows that we are a country made up of laws. These laws exist primarily and, and, and apply primarily to landowners. Right, Rodney? Am I tracking right so far? Uh, you're on it. Okay, so um, I hope that when, you know, if the, if, the, if the folks that are coming to have these conversations in the community with us, if they don't get a chance to or remember that that, that body of policy, the Voters' Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, if, if they don't get a, ch a chance to mention that third one, I hope uh, whoever is in the reach of my voice reminds them that there was another part to that, 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 that band of policy. The Fair Housing Act is so vital, and we need to start throwing that out there so that we can get their focus together. That we are serious this time, and we're not gonna take uh, shorts. I mean, everything that the, the Fair Housing Act. Um, it, there's a whole list of things, and yes, it is true that African Americans not only uh, some 
studies uh, surveys show were hurt the worst, but have also been the slowest to recover from it, with some saying that there will really be no recovery from it, that this is one of those wounds that may not heal, or if it does heal, it's going to be over a much longer time than for others, which is, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty bad. I mean, just imagine if your body had a wound and you, for years you were still, you know, recovering from that particular Caring wound. for that wound, how much, absolutely. How much difference that would make in, in your life. So this is a serious issue. It has been a serious issue. And as we look at that, one of the things about the black agenda is sometimes people think it's just about what can be done for us by others or what we need to stop getting people doing to us. And that is definitely true. But what is also true is what we can do for ourselves because there's quite a bit that we can do. Sure. And what? Once we start working on that, you see, it might be difficult and take a much longer period to get other people to change their view of us. But maybe there's things that we can do for ourselves that we don't need to sway other people to start doing or stop doing. We can do. And I hope that as as we continue this series on talking about the black agenda, is that we look at, so what can I do? What difference can I make? What difference can we make? Uh, What are the barriers to me moving? Could one of the things be, hey, well, if I want to be a property owner, whether it's a house or land or, or a business, then maybe I need to work on my credit now. Well, how about this? We teach our children and set them up so that they start out with good credit so they don't have to spend time fixing it because it's not broken in the first place. And that is the type of forward-leaning, forward-thinking, and the different mindset that we may have to go into is not just always talking about the backside of things, or I, I call it the caboose, but talk about the front side of things. How about let's get ahead of this thing? Well, you know, the 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 bad credit narrative and that um folks didn't qualify or whatever what have you with the housing situation. It's just interesting to me. They had enough credit to tap into those loans that were packaged for them when they pretty much knew that this wasn't uh, a good way to secure loans packaging them up and, you know, putting them on open market. You know, I digress. But, you know, I just hope we start or continue, for some of us continue to to pay attention. And well, you know, it's, I, Amber, it's, you're right. Those people, however they got those loans, they got their loans mostly in using the process. And for those of you who are purchase land or a home, you know it's a process with a it's whole a process. stack of papers. Yeah. And they got those, they received those loans from these various financial institution lenders using the process that was there. So there should be no impugning of the people 
who received loans and then had problems repaying the loans. Uh, because let's face it, uh, when you get that stack of papers, even though they say, yeah, everybody should read it, the reality is everybody doesn't read it and they spend a lot of time or, or they have a, uh, they depend on that mortgage person and that real estate agent. So I'm not saying that's right. I'm just, let's talk reality here. And Absolutely. these systems were, and structures were set up that we have to play into now, as a former real estate uh, a mortgage agent, I can tell you that there was a lot of shady stuff that went on that really didn't have much to do with the person because they filled out the paperwork. I'm talking once That's that all paperwork saying, got Rodney. into the office. That's all I'm saying is that there was that so much. There was so much other stuff going on with the loans and the, the the narrative that goes on in the news cycle nowadays and especially when we were in the epicenter of it was about well these people didn't qualify in the first place. They shouldn't have ever been homeowners. That's such that is it's so not true. Folks that weren't you know, qualified to be in a house weren't in a house. Um and I you know, I just with Nevada being at the forefront of the foreclosure market and most of us that are homeowners are still fighting our way or barely, you know, I, my property is still underwater, to be honest, still underwater. And, and so many others. I mean, people really don't think so much about that nowadays. They just are in many suffer cases. Through it. They, just, they just suffer through it, absolutely. So it is true, but we also have to look at the other side. And one of the one of the top reasons why young people are not able to join the military, United States Armed Forces, is because of credit and 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 their debt load. Uh, and the reason for that is the security uh, requirements to join almost every branch of service now has gone up so high, and bad credit is one of those prohibitive things. So there is an issue in our community with credit. And in order to to become a homeowner, to be considered for those loans, and however those loans are, credit is a player. And you have to have that credit together. And if you don't have it together, they're not going to let you in. It's almost like it's a homeowners fraternity and you have to know the secret passwords and handshakes and stances because it's very since the great uh, recession they don't call it a depression they call it a recession the requirements <laughs> to get into these homes uh, you know the, the amount of money that you have to put down uh, you know your credit rating a, six, a 620 640 that's not going to cut it anymore so we have to be prepared. We live in a in a structure, and this structure has a system. And if you want to be a part of the economy, you have to understand the structure and be able to play within the system, and that's credit. Uh, and credit does have a major impact. You know, as we talk about the black agenda, one of the things that we know is that black-owned banks, 
are more likely to loan money to black people than majority population banks. But yet the majority of black money is in majority-owned banks, a.k.a. white-owned banks, but they're not in black banks. And so this is what I talk about is what can we do for ourselves? One of the things we can do for ourselves is start supporting black banks. Here's a thought. Most people don't go to their bank on a weekly basis. As a matter of fact, some people don't even go monthly. Many people bank online. May have never walked into their bank because it's online. Other, you know, it's digital, right? So how about taking some of your money? And the reason why I say some is because one of the first things people ask me is when I talk about this, say, "Well, I don't want to lose my money. You think it's safe?" And I say, "Well, the FDIC, I believe, sent the uh, new uh, financial act guarantees your money up to, I believe, two hundred and fifty thousand." Absolutely. So unless mm-hmm. you have more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in in one bank, your money is guaranteed by the United States government. So you're not going to lose your money. Oftentimes when we talk about doing things with black, we all of a sudden we erect barriers. And I'm saying, hey, there's enough barriers thrown up in front of us, we don't have to add to it. So how about if we supported those black banks? Because we know through uh, data they're more likely to support us. We have to go into the majority bank hoping, asking, begging, pleading for them to get a loan with an expectation that more than likely it's not going to happen. Okay. And we've done that over a period of time. How about now we say, hey, but how about if we go to these black banks over here? Since I don't, since I bank online, the bank does not have to be down the street from me. I can do online banking with a black-owned bank. As a matter of fact, one of the largest black-owned banks is an online bank. How about, how about this one? Which bank is that? Put it out there for the people to get it. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it up on the site. So I want to put the whole list of them up there. Uh, cool. How many, how many people have car insurance, life insurance, with a sure. black insurance company? How, how many do that? Uh, how many people go, you know, you know you don't roll even up think into about that. That's a good everywhere. question, Rodney. You don't even think about that. You know, I'm from Chicago, and um, John Johnson started Johnson's Publishing. He was an ins- he was an insurance guy with the largest black insurance company in 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 the country at the time. And um, back then, you're right. We did. Think more in terms of uh, getting insurance from a black-owned insurance company. That's a great point. Well, great so point. what I'm saying is, it's a it's a it's a mindset change, mm-hmm. a paradigm shift. Is we have these things out here, and let me give you all some data. And they have a history. They have a history of history in our community, and we've gotten away from a lot of the traditional ways. And in which uh, we operated as a community, um, we have a young man that comes to the gathering with us now, and he sell he sells uh, 
mortuary services for uh, Palms Mortuary out here. And, you know, we I was having a conversation with him, and, you know, others chimed in, and, and we were talking about, you know, our our ancestors, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, if they didn't pay the light bill, they paid that policy bill. That's kept right. Kept policy. And they kept that policy current, and they sacrificed whatever they had to sacrifice so that when the policy guy came by the house, Bob John Johnson, Johnson them, John Johnson them came by the house on Saturdays. That was a regular. That was as, as for sure as Soul Train. Saturday afternoon or whenever you deemed it, you know, appropriate for him to come on Saturday, whether he came Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, he always came to pick up your policy payment. Thing. Most people uh, or many people today, uh, their check goes in direct deposit. Absolutely. Right? So you don't. So you don't even get to see the money. It goes into a white-owned bank. So it goes from your white employer into a white-owned bank. So you haven't even touched the money. And then many have direct bill pay. So it goes into the white-owned utility company. Right, most of your bills are owned to the majority population. That's just how it is. So you still haven't touched the money yet because most right. many people have it set up. So all right, I get paid on the first. My bills are going out on the first to make sure that they're not, you know, they're not late, right? And that, that's understandable. So we don't even get a chance to touch the money. Now in other communities, in other communities, people. They, and they say what makes for a successful economic within a community is when that community touches that money about six to eight times, six to eight times. In our community, we are lucky if it exchanges hands two times. Right. We are lucky if it does that. And that is taking wealth out of the community. In other words, well, I, I don't even know if it's out of the community because it don't really make it in the community. But we'll say we'll say for speaking purposes <laughs> out of the community. Uh, it, and it happens that fast. You know, other people's money stays in the community for weeks. Their community for weeks. We keep hours. We get paid. Let's say we got paid at eight o'clock, six eight o'clock in the morning. It's the first, the fifteenth, whatever your pay cycle is. It's that Friday. By lunchtime, by lunchtime, that money is gone. It's gone. You got to work a whole other pay cycle. Absolutely. Same day. Um, well, you know, I just so, wanted to break in here. We're at the top of we're, we're five minutes past the top of the hour. That's five past one. Uh, you're listening to our own voices. This is Angela Thomas. I'm on with my 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 partner, my my the other half of this dynamic duo. Rodney Smith, and it's all about the black agenda today. Black history, black agenda. We black. We black 365, but, you know, it's February, and we could be super black now. So if you want to join in the in the conversation, call us at 347-826-9600. 347-826-9600, and press option one if you would like to join in the conversation. We would love to hear from you. We'd Love to hear from those entrepreneurs out there on what it's been like to be a part of the money-making machine called America. 
How difficult was it? How much of a difference did it make in your life? Mm. Uh, and for, we'd also like to know, because we are talking about the black agenda, what do you think should be on the black agenda? Have you ever really taken the time to think about it? And, and this, this came up to us while we were at the gathering. Some folks from the Bernie Sanders campaign came to the gathering. And this was uh, maybe a month ago or, or more. Mm-hmm. And they asked them some questions that hit like somebody punched you in the gut. And one of the questions they asked is, hey, what can we help you with? What's on your agenda? And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and, they, and then the next thing they said was, um, could you introduce us to some of your leaders, your leaders in the community, so we can see how we can help them, so we can find out what it is that you that you need. Now, some people say, well, Rodney, why was that difficult? And it wasn't necessarily that it was difficult, but I could talk about the uh, black agenda that Andrew and I have been working on for years. For years and, at this and, point. Right, and we did. But I cannot say that that is the community's agenda. I cannot say that, I don't know if that's the NAACP's agenda. I don't know if that's the Urban League's agenda, 100 black men, 100 black women, uh, and so forth and so on. That's what Rodney, Angela, and our circle of people that we know personally that come to the gathering, that are Facebook friends, uh, you know, those are the people. Don't know if and that's you know, representative of the think, community. Absolutely. And for those of us who question what the gathering does and think we we haven't done anything, hey, it's one thing we have accomplished. We have accomplished a black agenda. Keep It's ongoing. It's been going for years. But, you know, yeah, we have done that and we're continuing to do that. And it's nice to see the rest of the world coming around to this topic. And we posted that on uh, what do black people want, the black agenda. Go figure that. We Hmm. have had a Facebook page so that we could ask people and and compile their answers and categorize them and, and then add them to the list and then prioritize them because we think it's important. But there's no more important time than now because if you haven't had the presidential candidates come to your your town or your state, your city, they're on the way. Right now, South Carolina is in the spotlight. We just know New Hampshire was it. And right now, Nevada, even though we're next, South Carolina is getting the bulk of the attention. But we're, we're getting a little bit, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Secretary Clinton is in Henderson, Nevada, with a rally, I believe, as we speak. And right uh, now. Senator Sanders will be here tomorrow at Bonanza High School. So, and, and I encourage you to go hear what both of them have to say. Uh, you know, Angela, before I go, we go too much further, I did want to address something that came up last night at the event with uh, Dr. West and Dr. Small and, and uh, Yvette Williams, our local representative that was on the panel, and a couple mm-hmm. other folks. Mm-hmm. I some people had talked to me about running for elected office, and in the process of them talking to me, they happened to make mention 
that they were neither registered as a Democrat or Republican. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and I noticed that I had been hearing a lot of people are nonpartisan independents or independents. In the in other state caucuses you can vote across party lines. So in other words, if you're nonpartisan independent, you can still participate in that caucus. In Nevada, in the Democratic caucus, you actually have to be in the primary, you actually have to be a, a Democrat. Registered Democrat. So in the caucus, in the caucus you have to be a registered Democrat. If you are not a registered Democrat, that means you can not you you, you can't uh, participate in the Democratic caucus for the presidential candidates, uh Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. So if you are a Hillary Clinton supporter but yet you are not registered as a Democrat then there's no guarantee that she's going to make it to the general election. And the same thing goes for Bernie Sanders. If you are not registered as a Democrat, you cannot participate in the caucus, and your vote is needed for whichever you decide to support to move forward. So I did want to make sure, ensure that folks understand that I understand your nonpartisan stance. I understand your independent stance. Truth is, I'm probably more in the middle myself. But in order to participate in this process, you're going to have to the take curtains a gotta match the curtains. The curtains got to match the drapes. Get your paperwork in alignment. Make sure you're following the protocols of your area out here. The curtains got to match the drapes. You have to be a registered Democrat to participate or a registered Republican to participate. So, look. Make everything match up, get it in alignment, get it right. Uh, no doubt this is the most important election. This is the this is a very vital presidential election. Um the 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 flame has on that point has been turned up on uh, to me a, a little bit more. Knew it was important, knew this was definitely uh transition as we transitioned uh from Mr. Obama, first African, you know, African American president to, you know, it's so much policy hanging in the balance. This next president will put a couple of folks on the Supreme Court, at least a couple, right? Is it two or three? Uh, Unless they're going to live to be 100, some of them are going to have to step down or, well, may uh, transition as they're on the bench. Right. So um, go on YouTube. Re, re-familiarize yourself with how this process works. I think how this process works. I think some of us have forgotten some very fundamental things. You know, when we were, we were little, we had schoolhouse rock. You know how to how a bill becomes a bill. We need those PSA type of uh, activities in our media cycle, as vital as media is now. You know, everybody comes to talk to us, and they're talking in I call it fragments and sound bites 
of media of some type, whether it's music, movies, uh, former uh, leaders' speeches. They're talking to us in fragmented sound bites of past media. Use that media to refamiliarize yourself with the process that makes this republic great. Uh, as we were talking, I got a I got a text, and it, it was a text that referenced one of the major insurance companies. And first of all, uh, listener, thank you for you are one of the listeners. When I see your number pop up, I may not know who's on the other end, but I know that's a number that's a consistent listener. So thank you mm-hmm. so much for thanks being so much for the listening. But the comment that was sent was that a it's it's a white owned insurance company but it sort of franchises out to other people. In other words, it's a company X and then you're one of their a agents you have an office mm-hmm. right down wherever. And you know, I would rather that of course as far as the black agenda is concerned, I would for sure would definitely rather that your money went there and your policy was there than elsewhere. But what I'm actually talking about is where the whole company is black owned. In black other owned. words, the when you the, that name that's on the stock exchange can be tied to a black person. The the person who is the actual owner or owners of that company. Uh when I'm talking about a black owned bank I'm not talking about a branch or an office. I'm specifically talking about this is 100% black-owned all the way up to the top. And But, again, if you do not have access to that, then a office that has a black manager or is, you know has ownership of that local office would definitely – rather that you do business with them. But keep in mind that ultimately that money is still, after it leaves your hand, goes to that local person. Then the proceeds of whatever that split is, is still going to white people, white owners. And there's nothing, uh, you know, that it's all legal and everything, but what we're saying is if we want to support a black owned insurance company, then let's find one that is actually 100% owned by black people. Uh, Some of the, one of the first black owned insurance companies is actually still in business. And I'll try to post that for you as as I post the list of, of black banks. And some people say, well, Rodney, aren't you, isn't that racist? And why would you want to separate people like that? And, and I say simply that my answer is this. To the, is it racist? No. Uh, the reason why it's not racist is because white people do it all the time. How can I prove that? Well, do white people in mass put their money in black banks? And do we say that because they do not put their money in black banks that they are racist? Because there has to be you know, some some equality in how we address this thing. There has to be some balance. So if 
white people don't put their money in black banks, and black people put them some vast majority of their money in white banks, then does that mean that more white people should put their money in black banks? I wouldn't be against that one bit. But why don't more black people put their money in black banks like white people put their money in white banks, like Asians put their money in Asian banks? We're in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas has, I believe, four or five Asian banks. Now, the population of Asians in Las Vegas is getting close to black, but it is not as high as black. But they're able to support five banks. Who do you think those five banks are lending their money to? And notice how the Asian community is growing. Now, let's look at the Latino-Hispanic-owned banks. It's not to say that Latino-Hispanics don't put their money in the majority banks but they do put their money in Latino Hispanic banks. And they, because we have zero in the state of Nevada, even if they only had one, it's more than what we have. And they do that because it benefits them. And we have to look at what benefits us. So it is not against anyone. It is for us. It cannot be racist for us to say that we should support black banks when every other group or other groups are openly supporting banks members of their group just because them. we're just because we're pro black does not mean we're anti anything else it just means that we're putting our community as the nucleus of everything we do that's all so that is nothing against part nobody of the else. black agenda and if we can't talk about that this month, then really, why bother? Uh, so the economics, economy, home ownership. See, here's the thing about home ownership. Let's say you're, let's say you're blessed, and 25 years old, got your credit right, you've been saving money, you're blessed with a job, and you're able to purchase a home and you take out a 30-year mortgage. Now, you can pay 30 years. I think that's like 380 months. You can do that. Or how about this? Here's a a simple financial tip to help you pay your 30-year, if you have a 30-year, fixed mortgage off earlier. So, you got your 30-year fixed mortgage. You have whatever your payment is per month. You set up an arrangement with your bank to take your mortgage payment and basically set it up to be paid every two weeks. So instead of paying your mortgage on the 1st, as an example, you pay it on the 1st and the 16th. Now, it's the same amount of money. It's just cut in half. And it takes some discipline, so maybe you might want to have a special uh, sub-account that when you get your direct deposit, deposit, it will send the money into the house payment sub-account. 
And so because it's no different, so that money would normally be taken out to go to your mortgage at the first. Oh, but in this mortgage case, anyway. you take yeah. it out to go into your house payment account, sub-account. And then from your house payment sub-account, you have it set up that half of it on the first goes to pay your mortgage. And you have it set up from this house payment sub-account. The other half goes out on the 15th or 16th to finish that month's payment. Now, keep in mind, you have paid no more money in essence. You just divided your payment up in half. By doing that simple task, spending five minutes on your computer or going to your banker and setting up your account, making and when you get a loan, make sure that that is a part of your loan package. Specifically ask for that and make sure that that you can do it because all banks won't allow you to do it. But if you ask them, usually they do, and some of them it's automatic. But simply by splitting up your monthly house payment into two payments, you will pay that 30-year mortgage off somewhere three to seven years earlier. So if it's a 30-year mortgage, instead of taking 30 years to pay it off, maybe you'll take 27 years or 24 years to pay it off. Now, what does that mean to you? Well, first of all, it's like you got a pay raise, a giant pay raise, maybe the biggest pay raise you've ever received per month. You're going to get Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it didn't I cost mean, you any more money. Yep. We so just paid off a, one of our student loans, Rodney. And oh, my goodness. We both have been surprised at the change and how much we're able to save now. Like, wow, that was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We're still paying one. We're still paying mine off. But we were amazed at how much money from our from our incomes was going into student loan repayment and to not have one. One of those being paid back now is is kind of amazing. So we can't wait to pay off the house. We we're we're taking that money, that you know half of that money that we were paying into his student loans, and putting it into the mortgage now. And let's get this done. Or if we could get those two right. off the plate, how much quicker could you, we pay off mine and just be totally free? Jeez. Right. And when you put that money to your mortgage, mm-hmm. for those who are listening, if you haven't done this before. Specify that that extra money, that extra payment, is going to the principal of the mortgage. The principal of the mortgage. Not the interest. Not, yeah. Not the interest. The interest, because when you pay the principal down, your interest payments actually are going to go down. If you just pay the interest down, you know that principal's still there. That needs to come down, and the interest will still be there. So ensure that you do it to the uh, Principle. So, for example, I split my house payments up in half. But also, what I do is, if I have a little extra, well, I don't know if you ever have extra money, but money that's not allocated to something that much, whatever it is, it don't make a difference if it's two bucks. Go ahead and send that money to the principal of your loan, to your home loan. You would be surprised over a 27, a 24 to 30 year period 
how much simply adding a few bucks here and there to the principal can make on the overall do. interest of your yeah. that's, you know. That's money saved. That's what our grandparents did. That's really specifically what my grandparents did, paid off their house early. Um, you know, it's those those things we need to pay more attention to and maybe get back to. Um, that's why it's so nice to have a community that coming together, you know, once a week, sharing ideas. It's good to have the gathering. Uh, I learned so much from you guys. Finances, life wisdom, um, it adds a lot to your process to hear other people's experiences, other folks' thoughts and uh, views on things that really do, they seem external from your household, but they really do have an impact on what happens within your hut. You know, you and I, this is our long-standing analogy on this platform. You know, what's going on in the hut? That reverberates back out into the world. If you keep it straight in here, under your roof, whatever, your hut, your roof, whatever you you blessed to have as shelter, um, you keep those things straight. You, you, you keep that communication going. You keep that work um, in a position to move forward, it reverberates outside the house, and it, it helps to uh, advance your neighborhood. And if your neighborhood is advancing, your community is advancing. You know, so it's all relative. Yes. Yeah, so in talking about the black agenda, you know, again, there are things that we can do to help ourselves out. And when when you were able to, and the reason why I got on this is because Angela was talking about the Fair Housing Act. So the, one of the reasons why that was so important is so that we could become homeowners because we've known since the beginning of this country that landowners was the generation and the creation of wealth and a financial legacy for our progeny. So when you own a home, and let's say you're so lucky, maybe you're the first homeowner in your family, and that's something that should be celebrated. And you paid that house off, and maybe you're 55 years old, and your house is paid off because you got it when you were 25. And maybe it did take you the whole 30 years to pay your house off. You know, things happen, right? But now you're 55 years old, and you send that last mortgage payment in. Next month? Just think about all of that money that you're going to have to do whatever Sitting else in your bank. that you wanted to do. Hopefully Maybe you take talk- 50% of it and invest it in a 401k. So that when I was you just going to say, hopefully you talk to our friend Stephen Sales or someone like him in your community, and he can show you what to do with that windfall that will net you more benefits than, you know, just letting it sit in your bank. Because you know if they go to your bank, first of all, it doesn't get that much interest. And second of all, it's not probably a black-owned bank. Third right. of all, you're probably going to spend it. I mean, that's just the reality of it. That's the reality so, of the situation. I, we wanted to talk about practical things in the black agenda and practical things that any of us can do. 
And so just to recap some of those things that we spoke about is one of the things that we spoke about, as we just mentioned, was home ownership. Uh, We spoke about ensuring that you teach your children uh, how to have established and to maintain good credit and how to save money so that they can, they don't have to wait till they're 50 to buy their first home. They can buy their first home when they're 25. And that, that is, that is well within the realm of doable if you come up right and if you train them right. And then how you can simply divide your home payment up in half and make two payments per month. And by making these two payments instead of one, I don't mean two full house payments. I mean, let's say your house payment is $1,000 a month. I know many people wish, but let's just say it's a thousand dollars a month. Well, what we're saying is, if you take that thousand dollars, put it in half, that's obviously five hundred dollars, and you pay that five hundred dollars at the first of the month, and let's say at the sixteenth of the month, you will save roughly three, depending on some other things, up to seventy years on paying off your your home loan, and that's the sooner, that's less money that you're spending overall. That's less interest that you've had to spend, and that's the sooner that you get to take advantage of that money that normally would have gone to your house. Now you have it to, well, spend $1,000 extra a month. What would you do with $1,000 extra a month? If you have your 401K, you can have another 401K. Or if you need to do some home improvement, instead of taking a loan out for the home improvement, you can just save that up and, and spend cash for it or use your cards use a card to charge it, take some benefits from that if there's available to you, and because then you may even get some work done less expensive, right, and then take the difference of that money and invest it in a 401K or whatever it is. So that's one of the things that we talk about, home ownership. Oh, and think about this. If you own a home and then you pay that home off, that's a benefit to you and your family right off the bat. But then – when you transition, that home, and of course you need to do some estate planning, right, put your home in a trust, but that home then goes to whoever you've directed it to. Maybe you have a child that can live in that house and never has a home payment. Or maybe they sell it and they take the money and invest it in a business or something else or divide it amongst three siblings and they all three use it as down payment. So now instead of it just being one house, now that one house is basically turned into three homes. So there's uh, there's different things that can happen, but you have made things better for yourself while you were here, but you've also made things better for those who are coming after you. And that is how we create generational wealth, generational wealth. And then we talked about something as simple as, hey, why not bank? At a black-owned bank, black-owned banks are more apt to give loans and invest in black communities than majority-owned uh, banks. And it's okay to uh, put your money in a black-owned bank just as Asians put their money in Asian banks, Latino-Hispanics put their money in Latino-Hispanic banks, and the majority population put their money in white banks. It's just what people do. It's not against anyone. It's for yourself. It improves your your community. And then we talked about how about insurance? Most, a good percentage of us 
have life insurance and just about everyone that drives is supposed to have homeowner's insurance. If you have insurance, is it with a black insurance company? And if not, why not? Because they do have them. It's like they have black banks. And by doing that, that creates employment because we know that black banks tend to hire, well, black businesses can hire black people. And that's something that we should also focus on. If we have a business, who are we hiring? I ask that because go to Chinatown. Who's working there? Go and get the, we have an Asian uh, newspaper here. Who's advertising in it? The majority. And who's featured in it? So what I'm saying is, is those communities tend to take care of themselves. We should be looking at taking care of ourselves as well. Uh, and speaking of media, speaking of media, a newspaper is part of media. They control their narrative. It also gives them an investment vehicle to expand their business with their community and with others. A newspaper is a key ingredient, a part of the foundation of a successful community. Yes, I specifically said newspaper. It is a key ingredient into the foundation of a successful community. Well, we don't own our own newspaper in Las Vegas. Wherever you are, is there a black-owned newspaper there? 347-826-9600. Press option one if you would like to talk. And share with us what black-owned businesses are near you that you frequent. Uh, maybe there's an online business that's black-owned that you know of that you can share with us. You can also put it on our Twitter page, Our Own Voices, or you can put it on our Facebook page, Our Own Voices Live. Share that because maybe it will benefit someone else. Uh, I see we have some folks in the chat room. Uh, big shout-out to uh, Roger Harris. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh Pianchi, I, I, see, uh, I see you there. Pianchi, I see you there. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, there's a, one, one of the things that was mentioned in the chat room is how things are changing for people who live on the coast, and in this case specifically Florida, with the rising ocean, this rising tide. And mm-hmm. the people uh, may be looking at moving to other places. Uh, whether it's the north, and, you know, urban areas are changing. You know, when, when you think of, like, Brooklyn, Detroit, you think of a lot of people, but you think of black people, too. Well, black people are fleeing these areas now. And now white people, um, hipsters, are coming into these areas. Uh, the same thing is in you know, they're trying to work it here in Las, Las Vegas. So maybe we can get ahead of the game and have businesses to service those people who are coming in who oftentimes have disposable income. Maybe, how, how about this for a paradigm shift? 
we tend to rent apartments, homes, whatever our dwelling is, from the majority population. And now it's getting to be Latino Hispanic. Soon it will be even more Asians. But very little, poquito mas, for, from African Americans. How about we have the apartment building, the fourplex, the eightplex, the 16plex, whether we own it outright ourselves or we go in with some type of consortium to own it. And then as these folks are coming back to these urban areas, as we are leaving, let's keep our property and let's rent it to them. How about that for a paradigm shift and empowerment? Uh, Pianchi, thanks for for posting that because that is important. And, And let's not forget opportunities to farm. We all have to eat. We all need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of maybe selling your farm, how about generating crops on that farm? In the urban areas, that's becoming one of the hip things to do is urban farming. Uh, if you no longer want to reside there and you have property that's just set in a vacant lot, Maybe something to consider. You have to look at your individual area and their needs, but maybe you can start your farm business right there. So there's just we just have to think about it and then go about the business of doing it. We can do these things, and in some cases we don't need other people. All we need is ourselves. When we invest in our bank, we create opportunities for us. When we invest in our businesses. Now, some people say we need more businesses. I do not disagree. But what I will also, as an addendum to that, add on, say this, we have to support the businesses that we currently have. We have to support the businesses that we currently have. If we support the businesses that that we currently have... Both of you and... Both you and I are entrepreneurs, and and we live the reality of of that every day. So it is so vital, the contribution that um, our consumers contribute to our businesses. It's the life life breath of of your business. Some of those events that either I I sponsor myself or I co-sponsor with others comes about now, I do this in the community, but some of that money comes about from the money from my business that is in the community. And then I can go and give back to my community by hosting these events, whether it's the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Candlelight Vigil, whether it's supporting the Sam Smith Educational Foundation. You know, all of these things take money, even nonprofits take you know, they're going to spend some money. They need money. Uh, so if I'm generating money from my business, I'm then able to help my community. Uh, it's just, you know, in the, the words of someone I know, does that make sense to, to you all out there? Is it is it resonating? Let us know, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, and share with us what you think of what we're talking about, that we 
Did you know about splitting your home payment up into two payments, how much it would uh, save you in the long run and how much quicker you could uh, pay off your, your home? Uh, that's a windfall to your community. Absolutely. And do you have any tips or, or tricks that, that you use or what's been your experience with how you've been able to increase your own economy, create your own economy? <clears throat> the biggest thing I did to uh, increase and create my own economy is irregardless of whether I had a job with an uh, a outside corporation, I always maintained my entrepreneurship. Uh, I always took free classes. I always paid for uh, enrichment of my of my business class of, of my business acumen. But the biggest thing I did uh, with business is to move with integrity. So whether I made whatever I was set to make on a deal or not, everybody that partnered with me, I always took care of them, and I think that's so vital to the health of your reputation and your business, all you got is your name out here. And when you mess that up, it's done. My grandfather said that to me (laughs) sometimes. It felt like on a daily basis. All you have is your name out here. And when you mess that up, you're done. So I think the most vital thing as I I, – Celebrate 25 years of marriage. I'm about to be the big 5-0 in April. The thing that I have done to enrich myself financially as well as a human being was maintain my integrity and constantly grow myself with uh, always contributing and in, in, in expanding on my knowledge base. Mm-hmm. So... Investing in myself, investing in my dreams, never letting my dreams die. Whatever I was, whatever the dream was, I pursued it wholeheartedly. Um, to me, for me, that has been something that has kept my uh, spirits up as well as my account happy. <laughs> I like that. Keep that account happy. She ain't well, happy. She'll let you know. <laughs> and when your account is happy, you are happy. Let me, let me tell right? you that. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, it has put me in actually, a position to be able to, to do things, not just for money, but do things because I truly cared about it. Everything well, I went into was not a financial endeavor. It was other, and I think we need to pay attention to those things more, too. Uh, I, you know, money is important. It's important to me, but it's not everything to me. There are a lot of things that I do that I don't get any monetary uh, enrichment from. I get other values from it, and it's nothing wrong with that. You can't do everything for money all the time. I've enrolled in school, not necessarily because I'm trying to get a job, but I wanted to learn more. And I Absolutely. do read a lot. Yep. And I found that I can, you know, get quite a bit of knowledge by reading, but it's also the interaction with other people sometimes that can take it to another level. So those are things you can do, but you obviously have to have money to do that. So money is about a certain level of freedom, 
And speaking mm-hmm. of money and freedom, we uh, have uh, Bianchi on the line who would like to share, uh, said he wanted to add on to something that was already said. Uh, welcome to awesome. the show. Awesome. Thanks for calling. Welcome to the platform. Well, I really appreciate the conversation, and I'm kind of at the move away from your recommendation, Miss. I I have a money <laughs> on, <laughs> on the brain. But uh, there's a lot of things that uh, can be changed. And you mentioned that you saved, paid off your student loans, which is very good. But, you know, in the state of Texas, I understand that if you put aside $135 a month from the time that your child is born until they reach 18, that the state of Texas would afford them to go to any state school uh, that they wish. And you have some very good schools in Texas, uh, Texas A.M. and so on and so on. But let me show you how that relates to. And I really don't like to get into telling people how to spend their money, but I like mm-hmm. to give them recommendations on how they could better spend their money. And these new Jordan shoes that come out cost $650. Well, wow. that's four months For some shoes? of payments. Wow. Yeah, the Jordan tennis shoes, Michael Jordan. That's over, that's like five months of payments toward that child's education right there. Five months, almost a half a year going toward that future education. And, you know, another point, African-Americans that want to retail, and there's no better market to retail than the market that you consist of. I'm telling you, you consist of about 18 to 20 markets, especially across the South. But you have to manufacture and produce that which you are retailing. And the best place to do that is offshore, into like a West Africa, even maybe a Jamaica, where the the money, the leverages that you have through trade, you have uh, you have affordable labor and so on and so on and so on. And I'm telling you, it is affordable labor because I went to the Waffle House and bought three pecan waffles, three easy over eggs, some hash browns, and some orange juice, and it cost me $24. Now, I, I I looked at that, and I didn't say anything because it really don't hurt me. But I don't care if I'm a multi-billionaire. I watch every dime that I spend. And that there is a lot of money for for breakfast. And things here are just beginning to cost too much. It costs too much. Another thing, out there where you guys are in, in Las Vegas, the type of home that could be affordably built, and it can also be a business, are those dome structures, those monolithic dome structures. They are fireproof. Therefore, your insurance is probably $100 a year for homeowner's insurance. How would you like to have a homeowner's insurance bill about $15 a month compared to the hundreds of dollars a month that we pay pay living in these conventional structures that's in the urban areas and in the suburbs. That is a great savings. And also look at the savings that you have with heating and cooling in those type of structures. We're talking about rarely $100 a month uh, for doing those also. So there's ways that things can be done better than they can today. You know, you could put a crew together that builds those homes. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much in equipment. The technique is very simple. They are beautiful inside. They are beautiful outside. And as I said before, 
they are extremely efficient when it comes down to heating and cooling and also insurance. So that's a couple of things that I could uh, add to your conversation. Well, thank you so much for uh, uh, listening, and I know you've uh, called into the show in the past. We appreciate uh, your support and, and, and the comments that you added today. Okay, and one more thing, too, if I, before I get away. We have to start, we want to have these uh, black agenda toward economic paradigm. We have to start directing our children into mm-hmm. those higher-paying fields especially the STEM fields. Presently, you only produce about 3,600 engineers per year out of the black community. An organization like the National Society of Black Engineers are wanting to up the ante to 10,000 a year. And that is something that's well worth looking at. Once again, immigrants that come here to this country, they target those high-paying jobs in the medical field, medical services, engineering and technology. If you don't believe me, go to the nearest hospital and look who's up there working. Okay, thank you again. Okay, I appreciate you call, Bianchi. Keep listening to us, okay? Thank you so much. We really appreciate the input from our callers. Great wow. points. You know, one of the things that, that when he said that, that um, got my attention mm-hmm. was we live in Nevada, Las Vegas specifically, one of the sunniest states as well as one of the sunniest cities in the country. Uh, We have been, they have studied it. We are the sunniest, sunnier than Florida, sunnier than a lot of other places that, you know, market themselves as the sunshine state. And, you know, we're the sunniest according to the studies. So as we talk about, things that we can do, businesses that we can go into, or fields that we can go into. Uh, Bianchi mentioned those those domed houses, but also solar energy, alternative forms of energy. Um, and, tra- you we- know, one that I sat in on a uh, thing this week on nuclear energy and the jobs that are in high demand in, nu- in the nuclear energy arena. It was pretty interesting, very interesting. Energy, anyway, any energy, whether we're talking solar or nuclear or what have you, um, it's growing, and and we need it. Uh, You know, uh, Angela, you had asked me to post uh, a black-owned bank. So because this one can kind of go to – multiple areas because it, it is not a brick and mortar bank per se. It, it was a it was started out as an online bank and they do have some brick and mortar offices. But and they even have credit cards and this is critical right here. But go to one united bank. One united bank dot com. Check it out. Look it over. I'm not saying to use this bank, but what I am saying is to check it out for potential use and see what you like because it is a black-owned bank. But it's an online bank, and I believe it's based out of California. Now, because it's online, 
you can use it anywhere. And I believe it may be biggest owned black bank right now. If it's not the biggest, it's one of the biggest. And and it's called One United Bank. So if you want to do something to help improve the economy of black people, that literally won't cost you any money. Let's say let's say you normally save uh, $50 a month. I'm sure you save more than that, but let's say you normally save $50 a month. Now, you can put that whole $50 where you've been putting it. Well, how about, let's say, 10%, right? Tides. Let's say you took that to 10% of that and you put that in a black-owned bank, whether it's one United or some other black-owned bank. You're improving the black economy because there's a bunch of us here, and if we all did that, look how much it would grow the bank or banks. So that's one way. And I'm, for those of you who are in the chat room, I'm going to put the link for One United Bank there for you. And all you have to do is click on it. There it is. I just, I just shared it with you. One United Bank is a black-owned bank. That is a bank you can consider. Now, there are other black-owned banks, and I'm going to try to put a list of them uh, there as well. And I'm going to put it on the Facebook page because I want you all to go check it out. Many of you may not have even known it existed. Well, now you do. The beauty of technology, and even more so because it's an online bank. I I realize some people uh, like to use online banking because they really don't want to go to a bank. Well, as far as we're talking about the black agenda, I posted it on the uh, Facebook page, uh, Our Own Voices Live, and I posted it on in the chat room. So go check out One, uh, One United Bank for a potential. I'm not saying put all your money. Now, if you want to do that after you check it out, because you need to be comfortable with it. After you check out, if you want to do that, by all means. But now you have the option. And if you did not know about a black-owned bank, knowledge is key. Now you do. Now, Angela, were you familiar with that particular bank? Uh, no, I was not. But it's and good again, to know. And, again, I know that, you know, we have our comfort zones with our financial institutions and doctors and barbers and, I guess, Petitions, right? Those are things that <laughs> we tend to not want to give up, and I understand it. That's why I say, how about start out with ten percent? And I'm going to go further to show you how we can make, how we can impact our own economy. And this is to, if there's any pastors listening, any imams listening, or if you just congregational members of whichever religious institution you may attend. Talk to your friends in those religious institutions and let them ask them if they would be interested in helping the black economy by putting their money in a black-owned bank. Ask them. And then if you have a deacon's board or whatever, however the leadership structure is of your particular uh, religious institution, get some of your parishioners, congregational members, and go to that leadership body and tell them that you want to know 
what bank are they depositing your tithes and offerings in? And if, and they shouldn't be able to tell you that. They should be uh, open to share that with you. If it is not in a black-owned bank, again, ask them to, tell, no, let me rephrase that. Tell them, because the church is there for you. The church is made up of the body of people. As the body, tell them, because they may, just may not have thought of it. Let them know how important it is to you that you want, again, we can start off with 10% of the tithes and offerings to be deposited in a black-owned bank. Tell them that. If you are on a sports team, lead, or you just have friends, ask them if they would be willing to deposit their money in a black-owned bank. Also, ask them, would they consider a black-owned insurance company? Now, if you can do a branch that's owned by a black person or or a franchise to a black person, that's better than nothing. But if you can actually do an actual insurance company, black-owned insurance company, to get your insurance, do that. And as far as the black banks, you know, I, I'll admit some people ask me, well, how good are they? Which kind of an interesting comment, but I say, well, there's some of them. I believe it's the Mechanics and Farmers Bank based out of North Carolina. Some of you may have heard me mention this bank before. has a higher rating than Wells Fargo, and I don't hear anybody asking about how good is Wells Fargo, and you know that they have a dissent decree against them because of their abuses associated with the African-American community, but we still have no problems putting our money there. We're putting our money there with somebody, an organization that doesn't care about us. How about if we put our money someplace that does care about us? Well, on our show today, we want to talk about the black agenda. We want to talk about community initiatives and things that we can do ourselves. We were had scheduled our a guest, uh, Devin Moore, uh, to come on as he has established the Vegas Black Think Tank. And it was an entity that was going to do forms once a month for a two-year period. Uh, took some time off, is back on the scenes now, starting the latter part of this month. And he was our guest, as you all see from uh, the marquee that was scheduled to be on our show today, but actually had... Uh, some sickness in the family and was not able to be on our show today. So we pray that uh, all is well there and hopefully we can reschedule for a future date. Uh, The topic of our show was the black agenda today. And what we want to focus on is things that we can do for ourselves. Now, before we end the show, Angela mentioned it earlier, one of the most important things that we can do is to help select our leadership. Who is going to represent us in political office at local, state, and the national level up to the presidency? And hold them accountable once you put them in the seat. One thing that they said last night that uh, really resonated with me, uh, hold them accountable and let them know 
on on no uncertain terms. You will be a one-term person if you don't do what's expected of you in this seat. And I will be here every step of the way to make sure you do what you are supposed to do. Period. It's not being adversarial. It's being responsible. And to hold them accountable, you have to tell them what you want them to do that you can hold them accountable to. There it is. And it's the black agenda. And it shouldn't be something that we have to make up. It should be something that we have. Now, sure. Hans and I and some others, we have come up with what we call the black agenda. But we would like for you to participate and share with us. You can go to Our Own Voices Live uh, on Facebook, or you can go to uh, What Do Black People Want, the black agenda, do a search in your Facebook search bar, and come up, join the page, and share with us what you think the black what what should be added to the black agenda. And as I always say, get specific. In other words, if you say black people need more jobs, well, in general, that's true. But so do white people and everybody else. But what specifically do we need? Do we need specific job training? Oh, oh here's one. Uh, we want better education. Well, what in education do you want to be better? Because if you just say you want better education, that's somewhat nebulous. It's very broad, very general. What is it specifically that applies to us? Is it access to better schools? Is it our schools are falling apart? Do we want a certain curriculum? Uh, What we've said in our black agenda and that we believe is key to not just black people but to the rest of America is the integration and cooperation of African-American history and culture throughout all curriculum, pre-K through 12th grade, publicly funded colleges and schools of higher learning. Critical components. So far, there's only been one of the presidential candidates that has acknowledged it and said that they would twist it in their administration, and that just happens to be Senator Bernie Sanders. And because he's willing to take something from our little black local black agenda here and would consider making that a national priority of his presidency, oh, he got my attention. But I had to have something to give to him for him to say he would support or not, that once he gets in, if he gets in, I can now hold him accountable for it. And when I say hold him accountable, not wait. Let's say he got in and his four years is up and he's running for election. Yeah, I cannot vote for him again. That's true. But I'm talking about once they're in the seat, calling them, emailing them, snail mailing them, reminding them of the promise, and then rallying our friends and community to do the same thing blowing them up on social media. In other words, many of you know I've announced that my candidacy of Congress in Nevada Congressional District 4, well, one of the things that I said was at least once a month, I plan to be on the local radio station, KCEP, the only black-owned radio station in the city, terrestrial radio station that I'm aware of, and I've asked them for time so that I could report what has been done what's coming up that needs to be done, what people need so people can be informed and let them know what they need to do to make sure this stuff happens. Conversely, they can then, you know, give me some feedback. I would plan, I would plan to have an active social media 
campaign, yes, uh, forms of media, and maybe even a good blog talk radio show, so I can let people know and stay in touch, stay in tune with my constituents so that I can better represent you and you know what's going on. I don't want you to be in the dark. I need your brain trust to help improve this. So when I go, I wouldn't move my residency to D.C. I'll keep my residency right here, this house that I'm trying to pay off. (laughs) This is where my residency will be. I would come back every weekend if possible, unless there's some reason that keeps me there, and as a minimum, every other week. That's how I can say Can you say your representative does that for you now? And can you say that you stay in contact with your representative? Do you know who your state senator is, your state assembly person, your city council person, your county commissioner, your school board trustee? How about your congressperson and your senator? If you do not, you have work to do, and your representative also has work to do. Well, I'm telling you from the gift, I plan on doing my part to make sure that I stay in touch with you. I need you to stay in touch with me, and I need you to give me my marching orders. Rodney, this is a thing that's important to us as a community. Now, I'm going to march forth with the agenda that we have until we modify it, and as we modify it, that's still the agenda I'm going forth with until I get something else. Add to that, modify it, copy and paste it, do something. Go to what the black people want, the black agenda, or, again, you can go to Twitter, Our Own Voices, and you can go to our Our Own Voices uh, live Facebook page. Well, Andrew, there's another show. Yep. We're at the end of another show. And we talked about the black agenda. Uh, once again, our special guest wasn't able to uh, make it due to a family illness. Uh, we send our love and, and prayers out for a speedy recovery. And we really thank all of you for listening. I appreciate the inputs in the uh, chat room today. I appreciate the text messages. Hopefully you all will go and look at some black-owned banks and some insurance companies. We'll try to put these posts more up on the uh, Facebook page and then Twitter for you. And maybe next week as we continue our series on the black agenda, some of you can call in, text or Facebook, social media, and let us know that you've explored it, what you, what you found out, what you thought. Maybe you find out a little bit more than us, and we can share that with one another. That's how we improve ourselves this share in the knowledge that that we have. Well, Angela, you want to close this out? Well, I just want everybody, I'll start it as I, I'll finish it as I, as I uh, Anthony Scalia has died at 79. Before we leave wow. the airways, I want to announce that Supreme Court Justice Anthony Scalia has died at age 79. We send our prayers mm. and, and condolences to the Scalia family uh, at this, you know, crucial time in their in in their in their life. As I started this broadcast, I may mention that this this is a vital election. This next president will put several members on the Supreme Court and it barely got off my lips before uh we ended our broadcast with the news that Anthony Scalia, Supreme Court Justice Anthony Scalia is gone gone home 
and uh, so sorry to hear for uh, you know his family's and and this nation's loss. He's a respected um, member of our Supreme Court justice system, and you know it's just a reminder that you know the old saying. Um, and you live in interesting times. Well, we're smack dab in the middle of interesting times, and you know we we have to stay diligent and uh, stay present. Uh, that that's very shocking news. Wow, seventy nine years old. Uh, as of now, uh, natural causes was was discovered uh, deceased and. Things can change that quick. Now, the president is going to make a decision on a Supreme Court justice this term, in his term. Now, this wasn't yeah. expected to happen, obviously, until the next sure. president came. And that shows the importance of this office because these are literally lifelong seats as he died as a sitting Supreme Court justice. And our Supreme Court justices are senior in years. And no one knows the day nor the hour, but if we go by the averages, many of them have already reached or exceeded that average. So it's quite possible that before the president leaves our current POTUS, he may have to make even more selections and nominations for the court. It'll be interesting to see if his nomination will go through before he leaves office. Uh, That would be interesting. But also... Uh, it's a good possibility that whoever we select to be our next president will, as Angela said, be choosing more folks to sit in this lifetime office. This election is critical in so many ways, and this just exemplifies. This just highlights that. Way this it totally critical. highlights that. How critical we're living in in critical times. The the, the new saying should be. We are living in critical times, and, you know, the process of of these United States of America will con- continue to, you know, roll forward and roll in the deep. Wow. Anton Scalia passed age 79 years of age, discovered this morning apparently of natural causes for the time being. Uh, it does change the discussion. Uh, it will change the discussion in the presidential campaign, but it also will show us the urgency of ensuring that we have the person that we want. In having the person that we want, Supreme Court justices, as Anton Scalia, they often die as Supreme Court justices. It's a lifetime appointment, and many of them stay in there for the rest of their lives. Very important for the governance of our nation because it doesn't necessarily make a difference what the lawmaker says. As our good friend Roger Harris says, the Constitution says what the Supreme Court justices says. It's how they interpret it. So it's very important. So folks, please register to vote. Uh, If you're here in Nevada, uh, it's okay to switch from being nonpartisan or independent to Democrat or Republican so you can pick one of these people to go on from the primary caucus phase into the general phase. Our caucus, as Angela mentioned, will be February 20th from 10 a.m. to, I believe, 4 p.m. That's February 20th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Normally, the caucus, uh, the door 
doors will probably close at 12 o'clock. So at 12 o'clock noon, uh, on average, no one else will be allowed in. The caucusing process itself shouldn't take more than a couple of hours after that. Don't wait till the last minute to get in. And, again, if you're not registered, register. Ask people in your circle, are they registered? You don't have to ask them who they're voting for. Ask them, are they registered? If they're not registered, there are a bunch of organizations that will come to you and register at no cost to you, obviously. So a lot of resources out there. Let's speak up in this election and let our voices be heard and so we can pick the elected officials that we feel are best able to bring about what we think is what we need. But let's come up with that list of things that we say we need so we can give it to them, hold them accountable. As, I, as I'm on the beginning, the infancy stages of my campaign, that's what I'm seeking is people tell me what it is. I have an idea, but my idea may not be yours. Let me know what your list is, and then let us create our own black agenda list to tell these elected, these uh, presidential candidates as they come to visit us. Well, Andrew, that was unfortunate news to hear, especially at the end of the broadcast, but thanks for right. filling in. We'll see you get it here at Our Own Voices Live. You get it live, because this news literally has just broken. Absolutely. Uh, caucus, be a part of the process in your community, whatever it is. Out here for us, it's caucus. February 20th. Training is still going on, so you can contact uh, the Democratic uh, uh, leadership. Also, the I, I called the Republican caucus is February 23rd. So, you know, we have Republicans that listen to us, too. Caucus. <laughs> and uh, be a part of the solution. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Angela, for joining us on the show today. I appreciate you, especially since our guests uh, didn't show up. I was, it would have been just me, and I'm sure they would rather hear you than just me. So <laughs> thanks for coming on. Things have a way of working themselves out. But let's um, sure. focus on helping work things out for our betterment in our community. And one of the, day, one of the ways to do it is to get involved make your list, become politically active, and become an informed voter. Uh, We have Hillary Clinton in town today in Henderson, Nevada, and we have Senator Bernie Sanders that will be at Bonanza High School tomorrow. I believe it's at 10 a.m., but you can go to either of the uh, contenders' campaign pages, uh, Facebook and webpage, to get more information. Well, on that note, Angela, if you don't have anything, we'll be back here same time next week, 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. And that's 3.30 out east. I have nothing uh, shocking and surprising news that came across the wire before we ended this broadcast. People, uh, make it a great week. And, you know, just love your loved ones. See you next week. All right. Bye-bye.